I'll take you to the airport. Excellent, thinks the priest. Three days of spiritual exercises and two lifts, plus a small donation at the end of it. I shouldn't wonder. Not a bad profit for someone whose pockets are empty, except for a promissory note from the Episcopal Secretariat. But the donation, when it comes, is far from small, at least by the standards of a suburban priest. At the boarding gates, on the journey home, a cool five thousand dollars has slipped into his hand. The priest can't believe his eyes. He has visions of a floor for his church, a nice big slab of cement with foundations and everything. And for a few years at least he won't have to worry about the church slithering down the hillside along with the mud. Of course, the Colombian's money runs out immediately, but Father Antonio has kept his benefactor's phone number. He calls him, thanks him, and asks. Again, the man astonishes him. I'll come to Caracas, father. I'll see you there. He's certainly a very pious person. The priest shows him the slab of cement, explains his plans, makes it clear that he needs help. The man pretends to think about it. In fact, he's already done his thinking. I can help you, father. But my help might offend your conscience. His manner has become more confidential. I can't give you money, but I can give you something better. Cocaine, the best there is. I'll give it to you free of charge. Naturally, the friar is horrified at first, but the temptation is as great as the scruples of his conscience. He's surrounded by sickness, hunger, violence, something approaching chaos. A theologian's analogy occurs to him. How was St. Peter's built in Rome? With money that flowed from the alms box and souls rising blessed to heaven. No. He knows that the great works of Renaissance art are caked in the blood of the poor. The same poor who suffer all around him in the mud of the barrio. And yet the Roman basilica still stands. And it's an example to the world more, a comfort, a refuge for those same people who carried its weight on their shoulders, the destitute. It's the very symbol of Christianity, the most revolutionary message the world has seen, carved for all time in the colonnade, in the domes, in the great altars. Father Antonio doesn't want to build a basilica. He's not after works of art. All he wants is a decent church. Besides, he knows only too well that his flock already buy cocaine on the streets, and God knows what filth it's cut with. Keeping an eye on his people like this might be a good thing, a way of limiting the damage. I could give it to them myself, and I'd put the money they paid me into the arms box, so that it could be used for their own benefit. The church would be there to remind them of the path of righteousness, their health would benefit, and so would their souls. What difference is there, in the end, between my money and that of Leo Tenth? It may seem absurd, but the priest was right. And the dealer from Bogota really was a pious man. And he really did supply him with the best cocaine in the world. The pearl. The pearl.
They call it that because if you put it on the palm of your hand, it takes on an almost oily consistency, with a hint of iridescent colour. A beautiful sight. There are very few people who can afford stuff like that. No more than a few dozen in the whole world. The big producers don't make it. Only small, self-employed farmers. It's produced in limited quantities. It requires mature, old leaves, not the newly sprouted leaflets which are gathered in the big harvests and which are pale green. So making the pearl takes time. You have to accept a less intensive exploitation of the plant, settle for only one harvest a year instead of three. And the shrub that produces the leaf is a self-seeding plant. If you lose it, it's not easy to sow again. Its leaves are larger than those of nursery plants, so they're easily seen from above. It grows only at high altitudes where there's less oxygen.